Welcome to the Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm, a weekly podcast that brings biblical teaching to everyday people in ways we can understand and then put into practice. I'm Gwen DeSelm, and it is my pleasure to be your host for this time together. Our teacher is Dave DeSelm. Dave has spent over 40 years in pastoral ministry, planting, growing, and leading a church called Fellowship in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Today, he is the executive director of Dave DeSelm Ministries, offering resources for everyday pastors and the people they lead, such as a blog, devotionals, coaching, speaking, and more. You can find out more about us at davedeselmministries.org. Well, in today's episode, we're starting a new teaching series called Blessed Are the Peacemakers. When this series was originally recorded, our church community was deeply engaged in a partnership with the Christian aid organization World Relief in the Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo. Years of war, tribal conflict, greed, and corruption had left this beautiful land devastated and its people traumatized. And we at Fellowship wanted to try to make a difference. At the heart of our partnership was the development of a truly groundbreaking peace-building initiative taking root in the villages of Eastern Congo. In an effort to raise awareness and financial support for this peace-building program, we took to the streets, literally, Hundreds of men, women, and children from our church community participated in a series of races held in our city, all wearing our bright green Race for Peace shirts, including Dave. In fact, I put a picture of him from that race in this episode's show notes. This teaching series was timed to lead up to that race, and periodically you'll hear Dave refer to it, but the truth and application of this series is truly timeless. Because, friends, if we ever needed peace in our world and in our lives, it's now. So let's join Dave for Blessed Are the Peacemakers. Get your Bibles in hand. Let's open them up to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, okay? Matthew chapter 5. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. The setting for Matthew chapters five, six, and seven is familiarly known as the Sermon on the Mount. He's up on a mountainside. We were over in Israel some years back, we actually saw the mountainside. It's a natural amphitheater type thing where he's able to speak to thousands of people. And as he spoke there, the best way for you to understand the Sermon on the Mount, or Matthew five, six, and seven, is Jesus is describing two things. He's describing what life in the kingdom is like and what should characterize those who live in it. So whenever you read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, ask yourself those two questions. Is he describing for me what life in the kingdom is like, or is he challenging me as to this is what those who live in it, this is how they should live, okay? The Lord says, this is what I'm offering to you, this is what I'm asking of you. Come join the adventure and be changed by God for good. This was his offer, this was his challenge. What was striking was the breadth of his invitation. For example, he said, to you who were poor in spirit, 
To you who all of your lives struggled to measure up, I want you to know something. You're invited in. And to you who are brokenhearted, who wonder if you will ever know joy again, I want you to know something. You'll find comfort in my kingdom. And for you who dream of righteousness, who long for justice to be done in a broken world, I want you to know something. You're gonna be satisfied in my kingdom. To you who are meek, to you who are merciful, you mean so much to me. And then in verse nine, he says, blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called sons of God. Or if your Bible is more gender inclusive, children of God, sons or children of God. Interesting. In so doing, I was surprised at how highly Jesus elevated this thing called peacemaking. Of all the characteristics of kingdom living that he could have listed in the Beatitudes, he elevates this thing called peacemaking. And that struck me as quite interesting. What he's saying is this. The kingdom is all about reconciliation. This world is so broken. The kingdom is a place where the brokenness is gonna be repaired where that which is estranged is to be brought back together. Blessed are the peacemakers, those who join me in the process of healing a broken world. Blessed are the peacemakers. This was so important that he declared flatly, those who are committed to becoming agents of peace will be called sons of God. Sons of God. As I looked at the descriptors for each one of these beatitudes, I was struck by this one. I think it's the highest of all compliments. You who are peacemakers, you who are proactive in healing the brokenness, you who are agents of reconciliation, you know what? You're children of God. You're children of God. But there's an interesting word in verse nine. Don't miss it. You might want to circle in your Bible. They'll be called children of God. It's the only time that word is used in all the Beatitudes, and I had to ask myself a question. Who calls them children of God? Say, well, I guess Jesus does, and that would fit the context. But could it be broader than that? What is if they were called children of God by the broken people they touched? What if they so lived their lives as people of reconciliation and of peacemaking that this lost jaded world scratched his head and said, I don't know how you people do this. I don't know what drives you people. I don't know what's behind you people because what you're doing is out of this world. You must be children of God because that's the only explanation for it. I think that's a pretty neat way for me to look at this passage. See, there are many behavioral aspects that should define your discipleship. Should you be a person who lives in righteousness? Yes. Should you be a person characterized by generosity? Yes. Should you be a person who walks in humility, yes. There's a whole list of qualifiers to live a life as a disciple, but how many of you would say, if it means to be a disciple, to be a person who goes out of his or her way to pursue reconciliation when there's a breakdown between people, does that characterize you? Are you a peacemaker? Are you a peacemaker? I've used that word reconciliation multiple times, so let's define it a little bit. Webster defines reconciliation as the reestablishment of a friendship. It can mean that. A friendship is reestablished. Or the resolving of a dispute. It has to do with the cessation of hostility. The hatchet's buried, I guess you might want to say. 
Things that have been at odds are now reconciled. That which had been separated is now brought back together. Now again, this can take place in a variety of levels. It can take place on a macro level. We're pursuing peace in Congo. We're hoping that the warring factions will reconcile. That's a great thing. We're committed to pursuing peace in Fort Wayne, aren't we? I mean, at a time when Sunday morning is the most segregated hour of the week. We said, no, no. We're gonna pursue peace and look at what it means to love each other across racial and economic and gender and age lines. We're gonna pursue peace. But the larger the issues notwithstanding, the place to start has to be in your heart. That is to say, we will never see societal peace until there's individual peace. It's gotta start in you. See, here's the deal for me. It is relatively easy for me to put on a green shirt and run for peace in Congo. It costs me some sweat, it costs me some aches and pains, but it doesn't challenge my heart as it relates to my behavior. I can even dream about and tout peace in South Fort Wayne. Again, that's not the challenge. You know what my challenge is? To pursue peace with a person who's hurt me. To know what it means to forgive someone who's hurt one of the members of my family. You see, until and unless peace is discovered between husbands and wives and parents and children and one-time friends, let's just forget the big stuff. If it doesn't start in our hearts, forget it. It's got, does that make sense? It's got to start in each one of us. Then we can say, okay, now what relates to my neighborhood as it relates to my church, as it relates to my city, as it relates to Congo, then you can do that. But until and unless it starts in your own heart, it's kind of a mockery of the whole thing. Bless the peacemaker. So here's a quick question for you. If you were being described by Jesus, would he describe you as a peacemaker? Really? Would Jesus say, you know what? Whenever there's a relational breakdown, she's the first one to take a step toward reconciliation. First one. Whether she was offended or whether she was the offender, she's the first one to take the step. Would that be you? Would he say, she's the first one, notwithstanding how badly she was hurt, she's the first one to ask God for forgiveness for her role in the breakdown and to confess it. She freely forgives. She holds no grudges. She courageously seeks reconciliation. Even when, according to Romans 12, 18, and we're gonna talk about this in some detail, because the verse says, if possible, so far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. You see, there are times you can make the best effort and someone's gonna keep their dukes up, right? But Jesus said, did you make the best effort? Were you proactive? Are you a peacemaker as a disciple? That's the challenge here. My guess is, if you're at all like me, even the best of us could have a refresher course in this one. A refresher course. We're gonna grapple with the importance over these next weeks of owning your own sin. Even your own sinful responses to sinful behavior done to you. We're gonna talk over these next weeks about issues of forgiveness. What do you do when the person didn't even ask you to forgive them? How do you go to a person? How do you not go to a person? 
We're going to talk about how to try to go to a person and reconcile the right way, the right time with the right words. And we're going to talk about those occasions when peacemaking, despite your best efforts, just doesn't work. Anybody interested in that sort of stuff? Yeah. I am. I'll be honest with you. I cannot run in the race for peace if I don't do this stuff. Because I will be a running hypocrite. All about peace in Congo. But I still have a hateful attitude toward that person. I still will not forgive that person. I'm still bitter against that person. And somehow I think my run will simply be filling the streets of Fort Wayne with a green shirt. We're going to have to understand the horsepower behind this, though. And next week I'm going to unpack this verse for you, but let me give you a running star by flashing the screen right now. In fact, let's read this out loud and together, shall we? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now look at the verses because it's very important to look at the order there. Only when you become a new creation in Christ do you have the indwelling spirit of God. And only the indwelling spirit of God will be strong enough to deal with your latent hatefulness and unforgiveness. Only Jesus' power can break that. That's why you have to go vertical before you ever go horizontal. Only as you have become reconciled with the Father. And next week we're going to talk about just how broken we were. How separate we were. But only as we become reconciled with God can we then become agents of reconciliation. If you don't get that, if you don't recognize that you need Christ love and spirit to challenge your hateful heart. This is gonna go in one ear and right out the other. So you gotta start there. You gotta start there. Next slide says, our capacity to reconcile with others is rooted in our reconciliation with God. It just is. You cannot sustain a forgiving heart if you do not have supernatural power. You just can't. The old memories will come back. The old reminders will be, will be there. And you're, oh, yeah, oh, and once more. Something's happened. It's going to take something big. It's going to take something supernatural, okay? It's interesting. Every now and then someone will ask me to intervene in a crisis. Husband will say, my wife and I aren't getting along, or guy will say, I've broken down with a friend. And what they want me to do typically is take their side and go whack somebody with the Bible, I think I disappoint most people because I never start there. First thing I talk about is, tell me about your relationship with the Lord. Oh, this isn't about the Lord. This is about my husband. This is about the, no, this is about the Lord. You see, until you are so shot through with amazing grace and filled with gratitude for it, there's no way you're going to look at anybody any different. Only if and as you find yourself amazed by God's love and acceptance. Only as you recognize that Jesus took the first step toward you, will you have the courage to take a first step toward somebody else. So we always start there. Typically my counseling lasts one session, they don't come back. (laughs) You've got to start here. Jesus is the only hope of the world. Only hope. All reconciliation around the world will simply be mandated by force of arms without Jesus because only Jesus can change people's hearts. 
Everything else is simply a truce. It's not reconciliation. But with Jesus' power, Congo can change. And South Fort Wayne can change. And you can change too. And so can I. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, I face this series with mixed emotions. On the one hand, boy, I need it. I need to be reminded, I need to be confronted. But being honest, Lord, I face it with a sense of dread. Because I know you're gonna call me to have to take some action. It's gonna be hard. My guess is right now, as with me, so with my friends, there's somebody's name or picture flashing before their mind and they wonder how in the world does this apply to her, to him? They hurt me so bad. They continue to hurt my children so bad. How in the world could I ever respond as a peacemaker? So Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a bit hesitant, even fearful. But I so want to do the right thing. I recognize that this stuff inside of me, this bitterness, this hatefulness is eating me alive. And I want to be free from it. I know you're not asking me to trust them again or to invite more abuse, but Lord, I know I've got a ways to go. Help me to be a kingdom person. Help me to be a peacemaker. That you will smile and call me a child of God. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. If you'd like to let Pastor Dave know how this message has blessed you, send him an email at dave at davedeselmministries.org. Then join us next time as we look to God's Word for help and hope as we follow Jesus every day.